The poet E.E. E. Cummings wrote, May I be I is the only prayer, not may I be great or good or beautiful or wise or strong. And the sentiment that he expressed in that poem is really at the core, the heart of all the problems and struggles that I've had in my life. And really, it, it raised its head again yesterday when I was trying to record the first po- the first episode rather of this podcast that, that I'm just starting called The, the Poet Delayed. Uh, podcast. Um, my name is Scott Edgar. I, I'm the host of it. Um, you know, I, I tried probably maybe 15 or 16 goes at it yesterday and just never, never could get it going. And I finally got one that I thought would do. And then I went to bed and woke up this morning early and that just kind of worked its way into my mind. Uh, the, the podcast did and, and it just didn't sit right what I did yesterday. And, and I realized that this is exactly what I was doing again. I was trying to, uh, you know, trying to make something perfect and, and appear perfect. And uh, you know, podcasts aren't going to be perfect. Um, but as I thought about that, it it uh, it really hit me. Uh, this is this is really something that probably a lot of people struggle with. Well, I know a lot of people struggle with it. I've talked to a lot of people about it. But uh, another issue. You know, yesterday as I was doing this, is I, I had written out an outline that this is kind of what I'm going to follow in the podcast. And part of that outline was that, you know, the, the name of the podcast is The Poet Delayed. And the idea behind that is that initially I was thinking, you know, there's a 20-year a, a period up until about two and a half years ago, there's a 20-year period where I really didn't write much at all. I just kind of went offline creatively and didn't write much. And so that's kind of what I was referring, referencing rather, when I said the poet delayed, that I had that 20-year delay. But as I was thinking about it this morning, I mean, yeah, it's, it's, uh, I've really, the poet's been delayed from as far back as I can remember. Yeah, I, I used to write poetry in my high, in high school and, and in my early 20s, but I, I guess it's what you, what, you know, I guess it's what we define as poetry or, or a poet. Uh, as I think about the poetry that I wrote early on, like when I said when I was in high school and, and, and up into my early 20s, as I think about that poetry and I go back and I read it, it almost, uh, it's, I don't know, it almost kind of feels like I was writing propaganda to myself, trying to convince myself that things were good and convince myself that, uh, that I wasn't struggling. And in addition to that, I was writing it so that it would, uh, that if somebody else read it, they would say, hey, this guy's got his head on his shoulders. He's got a good head on his shoulders. He's, he's, he's in the right direction. He's going in the right direction. He's, he's well-adjusted. And uh, look how positive he is in his poetry. You know, he, he writes about these hard moments, but then every... You know, it seemed like every poem I wrote early on was like darkness settling down, settling on me, and then the sunrise always coming in the morning, and there's always hope. And that's a great sentiment, but frankly, I didn't really feel that a lot. I felt a lot of despair, and I felt a lot of anxiety, and frankly, I didn't know what it was or where it was from. It just, I had, you know, I, I had islands and pockets of 
good times and happiness and some extended amounts um, of, of those, but they're always in a sea of darkness and a sea of trouble, I guess, to and not, try not to be too dramatic. But there was always this heaviness and darkness that kind of weighed down that I... I just kind of tried to plow through and put a shiny, happy face on. And again, I, I, didn't, I didn't know what it was. I just knew that it was. And um, for a long time, I thought I just had to try harder, pray harder, you know, be more meek, more humble. And then eventually things would turn around. And, and like I said, there were good times, there were happy times. But the overall feel was a heaviness and a darkness and a frustration and a lagging feeling. Um, and so when I, so really when I say the poet delayed, what I'm referring to is that even when I was writing poetry, it was not authentic. It was not me. It was not I being I. <clears throat> Rather it was me trying to be great or good or beautiful or wise or strong by somebody else's standard and definition. And that is never a good recipe. And, you know, for like for a long time, I didn't know what, I didn't know why I was approaching life that way. I thought, I thought I was just trying to be amenable. I was, you know, I was, didn't want to cause a problem. I didn't want to rock the boat. Um, I've, I've often said that I've described it that, you know, if there's, Five of us, and there's only four ice cream sandwiches. Well, you know, you you four take them, and I'll, I'll be fine. I don't need it. You know, a, a needless, wantless attitude towards life, and I I almost yeah I did feel like that that was a, a virtue of sorts that I was able to forego, and but the reality was that was me just avoiding difficult situations, not figuring things out, not working through those problems, and that. That was related to this as well, that this, this going offline, this um, not being myself, abandoning my authenticity, my, my authentic self. Um, and so I kind of just walked through life that way. And so the poet delayed really is not just that 20-year period. I, I understand. I had that epiphany this morning. The poet delayed is really as far back as I can remember. And I've, you know, I've, we've all had trauma in our lives, childhood trauma. We're all traumatized in some sense when we're kids. Uh, I tell my, uh, my son asked me one time, dad, why do all, why does it seem like everybody's got issues with their dad? And I just looked at him. I said, you know what, Ian, we've got a great relationship, but uh, you're going to have problems with me too. Uh, but you can always come and talk to me. I tell my kids my door, my heart, and my ears are always open. So you can always come and talk to me, and we can work it out. But you're going to have problems with me. Just I mean, we just, as parents, we, regardless of how hard we try, we end up doing stuff that traumatizes our kids. And, you know, so we all have that. And when I was... For the most of my life, I tried to avoid like excuses. You know, my, for instance, my mom passed away when I was ten years old. Pretty traumatic for a ten-year-old to have his mom pass away, and I tried very hard 
to not use that as an excuse. You know, I, I had this line that, you know, if it was ever brought up that, hey, my mom passed away. Yeah, that was hard. But ultimately, I'm responsible for my decisions. So, you know, I just got to move on. And and that's true. Uh, you know, I, I, we ultimately, we make our decisions and we are responsible for them. But to ignore and not consider the fact that my mom died when I was 10 years old is ignoring a huge... Um, it's just ignoring a huge issue that needs to be understood and needs to be addressed because it impacted me. It impacted me significantly. So while it is correct, I think, to say, no, my decisions are my decisions and I need to, I need to take ownership of those. It's also important to understand that you had these things, that I had these things that impacted me and that I need to address those things. And I've, I've, uh, often now I'll, I'll say, well, yeah, it, it gives me an explanation, not a justification for my behaviors, but it gives me an explanation as to why I'm doing things or why, why I'm making sort of certain decisions, why I'm going this way and not that way, why I, I, I do things that are not helpful or productive, that I, I, I want to I overcome these issues that I have. Well, to do that, you need to understand the root and where the issues are coming from. And in my situation, I mean, I, I know it's probably not the only situation, but in my situation, the death of my mother at 10 years old was a significant part of that. And that's, and so for so long though, I just pushed it aside. I would joke about it. Uh, it was kind of a, my shtick, so to speak. Uh, it was, a, a, I call it a showstopper. If somebody was joking or saying something about my mom, my, my line was, hey, my mom's dead. And it just, everything kind of went quiet. And like, ah, just kidding, just kidding, just kidding. It's okay, you know. And that was not, I mean, that was, that was me coping with it, not, not really realizing what I was doing, but I was, that's what I was doing. I was trying to make light of it because I didn't want to deal with it. Um, and it, it kind of reminds me of, well, and so, and so I'm trying all these other avenues without really knowing what the root of these problems is or are there's probably many roots multiple roots at least i i'm trying to fix these things that are causing me problems struggles and causing struggles and problems for those people in my life because you know i'm just not measuring up in certain ways that are necessary to have functioning you know to have functioning relationships or, or, or I, don't know, I don't know how to rephrase it, but to have relationships where you know, you're, you're taking care of your stuff and this other person's taking care of their stuff. And so you're working well together. I, I was having a difficult time in a lot of those interpersonal ways. When I was single, hey, I didn't notice it as much. But when you get married and you have kids, then all this stuff starts coming to the surface really sharply. But not knowing what the roots are, the, the roots are to these problems. Uh, I just was trying all these other other avenues. You know, I just thought I had to pray harder, like I said, try harder, uh, be more meek or humble, uh, read scriptures, uh, fast, or you know, I would set up these 
these uh, strict schedules, be up at five in the morning, read till for 30 minutes, study this or study that, write in my journal, write this for a little bit. And um, I was I was effectively setting myself up to fail because the I'm sure I'm sure there's some people who, who, who can manage their lives like that, but I have not been at that point to, to, to have such that strict schedule. And so I would go a little while with it, doing well, feeling good. And invariably I would fail and I was just setting myself up to fail. And I'm all the way back to, and I, and I felt like I always went back to ground zero. Now that's not the reality because I did make progress in, in a sense. I, I, you know, I made progress with every effort and attempt that I made. But I felt like I went back to ground zero. I felt like I, I analogize it to juggling. You know, um, I can juggle three balls and I'll, you know, start out feet planted and then I'll just start juggling. And things go well for a while until I lose focus or I'll look to the left or the right or I'll throw a ball that goes just a little bit too far and I'll, my whole rhythm will be thrown off and then boom, the balls fall down and, and I got to grab them and plant my feet again, start from ground zero. And, you know, if I had 20 juggles, I don't start at 20, I start at zero. And that's kind of how I felt about my life and my efforts. And frankly, it's really discouraging and it kind of beat you down and it beat me down at least. And it got to the point where I really just abandoned my wants and my needs. And uh, I just, I, I kind of, I started... I started living just, I felt like I had to just abandon, abandon things that I felt I, like I needed, or not even that I needed, just things that brought me joy. Like I, I needed to get down and just, it was, you know, I had to ration things. It was, it was, uh, um, I, I, like eating oatmeal without salt and sugar. If any of you have, have uh, eaten oatmeal without salt and sugar, you know what I mean. It's, I mean, it keeps you alive, but there's no joy in it. And and I, a lot of my life was like that. Uh, and again, I'm not trying to say that I didn't have happiness or joy, because I did. I had, I had pockets and islands of that, of them, and some of them were for extended periods. But it was all within a sea of troubles. Um, and... I feel like, uh, you know, and so I went around trying to fix these things. And, but again, I didn't know or have an appreciation for what the root of these problems were. And I, Heming, or not Hemingway, uh, I love Hemingway, by the way, but um, Thoreau and Walden, he, he made this comment. He said, for every thousand hacking at the branches of evil, there's one striking at the root. And in my case, there was me hacking at a thousand branches rather than striking at the root. And uh, just ineffective. You just, you're just trimming the tree back. You're not, you know, you're trimming the, the whatever the, you know, the poison oak bush back. You're not hitting the root. You're not killing it. And so you keep suffering. You keep suffering from it. And so... That was much, you know, for much of my life, I just have not known what I was doing, frankly. And then last 
year and a half or, or two and a half years or so, the roots have started to come into focus in my life. And I'm seeing, I, I, I'm, these are things that I wasn't blind to, but I'm now acknowledging, well, some of them I was, but like, for instance, the death of my mother, I'm acknowledging the impact and understanding how that impact, how that would cause a disruption in my emotional development, how that would cause uh, me to abandon who I was. It had a significant impact and I'm acknowledging that. And, and so that root is coming more clearly into my life. And there's other things that are coming up as well. And I'm, I'm looking at them and, and understanding them and knowing that I need to address these things and deal with them. And, and they're hard, hard things. They're, it's painful sometimes. It's, you know, when you start understanding the root of your traumas and things that you have gone through and you start recognizing the losses that you've had because of it, um, it's hard. It hurts. And, and, and one, one concept that I'm understanding now because I'm feeling it is that those traumas that you never processed when you were younger they didn't go away. They're stored in your body. There's a book, I haven't read it. Uh, Vanderkolk, I think is the author. You know, the body keeps a score. I mean, this stuff is like stored in your cells and it comes back and you feel it and it hurts as if it's happening now. And it's, it's a terrible thing. It's a terrible thing. But... It's a necessary thing to, to become emotionally healthy, to reconnect with yourself or, you know, for me to, reconnect, uh, to, for me to reconnect with myself, I know that I need to go through this and I want to reconnect with myself. I want to, I want to be me. I want I to be I. And so I know that I need to, go, I need to work through these, these things. And fortunately I have a, loving family and friends that are super supportive of me and I have a, a great therapist who has been instrumental in helping me understand that there are bigger issues here than just my inability to uh, follow through on things that I've said I would do. Uh, there are there are bigger issues than that. I, I used to think it was a moral problem, or a just I just I just didn't have it. I I wasn't born with that ability. I I had to develop that, or I had to just be more patient. I, I just thought that there that that there were spiritual problems, and they're not spiritual problems. They're emotional. They're tra they're trauma problems, and they need to be approached systematically. There's and there's patterns to it. And I, I like when I see patterns because if I see a pattern, I know that there's something that I can do to work work with it. So um, so now I, I'm starting to see these roots and now I'm starting to be able to strike at these roots. And I feel like I'm having success. And as I mentioned earlier, there, there's a lot of pain involved. So in this 
in this area of my life, success equals pain initially. And that's kind of a hard thing to face because uh, I guess it's just, you know, there's always the analogy of, you know, lifting weights or becoming a, you know, running or something. I mean, success initially, well, I think always to make progress, there's always going to be pain involved. There's a no pain, no gain, I guess. So it's, it's a, it's a, uh, uh, that, that principle applies more broadly than just in this in this uh, theater of life. Um, but I'm learning how to move forward to process these things. And I'm learning to rely on friends and family to be more vulnerable and open and to acknowledge what I'm dealing with because I've tried for so long just either... It, not acknowledge anything, uh, to pretend to others, to myself, for well, to others for sure, and to myself, to pretend that there weren't problems, that I just, I was, I was on an upward trend, that the prevailing trend was upward, and it's not always true, and it's, it's just hard sometimes, it's just hard sometimes, and that's okay, it's just part of it and I'm learning to let my feelings just kind of let my feelings settle in me and, and to, to experience them and work through them and it's not natural for me it's not easy but fortunately I do have a good support group that's that's helping me and and that's really the purpose of this podcast is I want to share I want to share things that I've been learning myself on the chance that maybe it could be helpful for somebody and it will also, even if nobody listens to this, I think that it's going to be good for me. It's going to be good for me to open up about these things, to share them, to put them out there. And I think as I do that, personally, I will have more realizations and understandings and, and make more progress here. Uh, so that's... This podcast is kind of a vehicle. It's the the format of it is that each week I'm I want to read one of my poems. I've used poetry like in the last two and a half years. Two and a half years ago, I decided that I was going to start writing poetry again, and really to the end of you know to try to work through these problems that I've got. You know, just you know, what is this feeling? What is this emotion that I have? And I'm going to write a poem about it, you know, and, and in writing a poem, I find that I'm able, I, I, I try to break emotions down to the, to, to smaller parts to, you know, what, where is this coming from? And then I, I, you know, I, I, you know, try to use metaphors, analogies. And as I do that, as I use, as I, I break my problem down and, and try to express it in metaphor and analogy, uh, I find I understand it better and I see analogies and I see it more clearly for what it is. And that's what I started doing two and a half years ago. And I'll tell you, the poetry that I started writing two and a half years ago, at least in my opinion, it's so much better than what I wrote back in high school. And my early 20s, and I'm sure a part of that is just the maturation. I mean, I'm 48 years old now, and there's just 
something that comes with growing older. And, but there's also the fact that I'm not trying to write it for other people anymore. I'm not trying to be what other people want me to be or to, to write it so that they'll read it. In fact, it was, I, that was so bad for me that I would even write in my journals as if I'm writing it for somebody else. And I go back and I read, read my journals from then and it hurts to read. I'm glad I have them because it, it really, really um, brings into sharp focus where I was in my life and how I approached life. And I, so I'm grateful for the journals, but it's hard for me to read them because I wasn't writing them in any authentic sense at all. There are a couple, there are a couple entries in journals where I acknowledge that I'm not happy and things aren't going the way I wanted them to go. And it was interesting because I just, I read a lot of my journals a few years ago or I'm sorry, a couple weeks ago. And it was hard, but I came across a couple passages where I would acknowledge to myself that, you know what, things aren't really going how I like, how I think they should go, and I don't feel good. And when I read those passages, it was interesting. It was like uh, just this uh, refreshment. It's like, oh, there I am. I can see myself. But invariably, I followed up that passage with, but I just need to be better and I just need to be more faithful. And so it just, I was trying hard to keep myself from acknowledging that things were hard, that things were not right. Anyway, fast forward to two and a half years ago and I started writing again and I started writing like what I felt not necessarily for other people. I just started writing for myself. Like, how am I going to break this down? And, um, one of the first poems I wrote that that I'll, I'll read in, uh, you know, in a future episode was called, uh, it is called Unconditional, and it's about, uh, it's about my birth and my mom's relationship to me and just in that moment. And... That was really a process for me. That was really good for me to write that. And, and I'll get into that in the episode that I, I write. But so f- from then till now, I've my poetry, I've really tried to write to that end. Now, I don't think that all poetry needs to be uh, therapeutic in that sense, in the sense that you're working through problems and breaking them down and so forth. Uh, I think some poetry is just beautiful because it's beautiful. I mean, and I love words and I love putting the words together. And sometimes I read poems, I have no idea what they mean, but I just love them. I love the way they 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 resonate. I, I just love the way they sound, their cadence and so forth. And uh, like for, as an example of that is a poem by uh, William Carlos Williams. Um, it's called The Red Wheelbarrow. It says, so much depends upon a red wheelbarrow glazed with rain water beside the white chickens. And that's it. And I think it's a beautiful poem. And maybe there's some meaning to that that I don't get. I, I'm sure somebody's extruded some meaning out of that. But for me, I just read it and I just think it's beautiful. The simplicity, and the scene that it describes, and just how he puts the words together and the cadence and the rhythm of it. I just think it's beautiful. And so I don't think every po- all poetry needs to have that, that driving meaning. 
or needs to be used to solve problems, but it can be that. And I've used that as a tool, as an ax, so to speak, to strike at the root of my problems. And that's what I want to do. So each each episode of this podcast, I'm going to, uh, I want to, ha- I have planned to have a guest with me each time. So I think maybe that'll be a little bit easier than trying to monologue it. But I want to read a poem, one of my poems that I've written, and then I'll kind of just briefly share the inspiration and anything else about the poem that I think is unique or something that I want to share about it. And then at that point, my guest and I will just talk about if, you know, maybe the poem or just the theme in the poem, like what issues were being dealt with here? How have they, how have they presented in your life and, and have are there things that you've learned when addressing this type of a problem and and what type of issues has this caused for you? Just just kind of working through it. Now, I'm not a therapist, so so it's not I mean, I I'm, I'm certain I'm going to kind of maybe be out in left field on on occasion, but so keep that in mind. I'm not a therapist, but I'm sincere about this these issues and I'm I'm sincere about healing myself from these problems so that I can be a whole human, a a complete person eventually. At least that's what I'm going to strive to. And I don't have any, uh, I'm not so disillusioned that I, that I feel like I'm, I'm going to get to be a complete whole person eventually. But, but there's a lot of joy and satisfaction in working towards that. In fact, I kind of feel like I'd rather be never get there and just always be working towards it. Uh, that way I have, Bench, I'm, I'm making progress. I like progress. Um, so then we'll ta- we'll we'll talk about the poems and talk about the the issues and and I and I hope that through those conversations that that uh, I and my guest that there's something maybe that we can share and say that that touches your heart. And I want to give an example of that in my life. I. I, I was uh, I don't remember what year Jojo Rabbit came out that movie, fabulous movie. But the um, the poet Rilke was featured prominently in that movie. His poetry was at least, and I'd never heard of him at the time. Um, I've since he's he's since become very dear to me. Um, but at the end of the movie. The screen goes black. Everybody starts getting up. And on the screen, a verse from one of his poems comes up. And the verse says, Let everything happen to you. Beauty and terror. Just keep going. No feeling is final. And as I sat there in the theater in the darkness, reading it on the screen, I just was overwhelmed. Just like, just overwhelmed with emotion um, I I mean it's that feeling where I'm I'm gonna cry there's you know and oh crap there's people around me keep the lights in the theater down please uh, but everybody's getting up and I and I read that and that moved me and that just went straight to my heart I went home found the poem and I read it and the full poem reads God speaks to each of us as he makes us, then walks with us silently out of the night. 
These are the words we dimly hear. You, sent out beyond your recall, go to the limits of your longing, embody me, flare up like a flame and make big shadows I can move in. Let everything happen to you. Beauty and terror, just keep going. No feeling is final. Don't let yourself lose me. Nearby is the country they call life. You will know it by its seriousness. Give me your hand. That poem has become so important to me in my life. And as I've gotten to know his poetry more, so much of his poetry means so much to me. I mean, it it has really opened my eyes to a lot of things. It's touched me. It's, it's, I feel a connection with him. I'll just say I feel a connection with him over the years. Uh, I think he died in like the 20s. And I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I've, my poetry may not touch you and that's okay. Um, But I'm hoping that something that we share on the podcast may touch you. Uh, th- that, that's my hope and that's that's the purpose of this podcast it's it's a vehicle for me to to share these things um i do want to share a poem today uh and it kind of goes with this whole theme that i've been talking about and the, the poem is called the poet's call i don't remember when i wrote this it was within the last two and a half years and it's a poem that uh, some poems just fall into my head some i really had to work hard on this one just fell into my head and it's not really it's not technically complicated poem so maybe that's why but but it just fell into my head and then it resonated with me and it, the poem says write hard words to break your soul against redemptive words too to bind it up again and you know, I have a, I have a notebook that I write my notes for poetry and I write and I, just my poetry notebooks and every time I open a new one, after I finished one and I get a new one, this is what I write inside the inside cover. Write hard words. Actually, in this book, write hard words to break your soul against. Redemptive words, too, to bind it up again. Um, to remind me that's what I'm doing. Because that's last two and a half years, that is what I've been doing. I've been writing this poetry, something hard things and redemptive things. And it's been so rewarding for me. It's been, it's it's given me a lot. Of, well, it's, it's helped me find meaning in my life and it's given me meaning because I, I love writing poetry. I love the process and I just love um, finishing a poem, wrapping it up. And I feel like where I feel like I've been able to express what I want. It just brings a lot of joy to me. And it's healing for me as well. And so that's what this podcast is going to be about. My writing hard words. It's going to be about the hard words that I write and the redemptive words that I write. And if my poetry doesn't ring to you, that's okay too. Uh, No offense here. I just hope that as we discuss the poetry that maybe 
something will be said, an idea will be expressed that will trigger something in somebody who needs that and that it can either lead to some healing or lead to an understanding or an, I just I just want to help people. I want I, I want to help myself and I want to help people. I felt that strongly as I've gone through this uh, recovery process and I've, I've felt a huge, a strong desire to reach out and, and to share and and I hope that I hope that this is something. I hope that this podcast can do that. Um, anyway, uh, thank you for listening. Um, I just and again, I just want to close with these words from from uh, E. Cummings because I think it's beautiful. May I be I is the only prayer. Not may I be great or good or beautiful or wise or strong. And I just hope that we can all remember that and work towards that. Again, thanks for listening. This is-